Module 6, Aliveness. In the previous modules, we've talked about bringing presence to aspects of our lives and how powerful this can be. In the last module, I also shared how you can choose to bring presence to an area you choose to study in your life. One of the areas I'd like to encourage you to try and do this is in the subject of aliveness. Remember, we spoke about how the life force principle is key to everything. Yet sometimes we fail to sense whether it is participating in our lives. The way to determine if it is, is to check in with our feelings of aliveness in certain areas of our lives. Let's say, for example, you're going to a job you hate every day. You might not feel entirely alive. Sure you do it, probably because of the money it pays you, but this is an entirely different experience from a person who does what they do because every single cell of their body feels ecstatic and alive when they action their work. This is an obvious example, but during the module I'm going to share some more subtle parts of my own journey where this lack of aliveness became obvious to me and what I did to reclaim it can be very powerful to change where aliveness is not experienced. When we presence aliveness, we are an awake force, co-creating with the life force principle. There's no separation between us and this amazing essence of life. We are authentically alive as a process. We are being, experiencing, we are awake. I say authentically alive as a process because it is a work in progress that we deepen like all the other scriptures as we move more deeply into consciousness over the course of our life. Perceptions of aliveness also change as we do, so what feels thoroughly nourishing today may not tomorrow. We need to allow ourselves to move with aliveness as it guides our lives. When we do not presence aliveness, we tend to use words like should in our vocabulary. We do things because we have to, or at least that's what we tell ourselves. We're not honest with ourselves, often lying to ourselves and trying to make something work when it really doesn't. Inside, a part of us is dead. We make this part of ourselves unable to receive life force energy. I believe this is one of the major reasons for the increase in cancers all over the planet. The human body is storing so many dead components. When we are practicing death rather than aliveness, we are empty. We know something is missing. We can feel the incompleteness. We cannot seem to invigorate ourselves no matter how many times we tell ourselves this is what we should do. If you've ever gone somewhere out of obligation and felt completely drained, this is an example of something we tell ourselves we should do and the resulting dead energy that follows. Presencing aliveness feels effortless. When we take on tasks related to our aliveness, they feel like they require no energy from us. They give us so much. When we enjoy aliveness, we feel full, complete and whole. Nothing can usurp our power for it is untouchable. We are energetically vibrant, oozing with more, radiant with I am and absolute energy. We can be presencing aliveness in some areas of our lives and not in others. Perhaps our thoughts are dealing deathly blows to us. Maybe our relationship is not creating feelings of aliveness. Perhaps emotionally we feel less than alive. Maybe our home space feels life-sucking. 
There may be a person in our lives who shatters our sense of aliveness. A space we work or live in might drain our sense of aliveness. Our spiritual practice may not make us feel alive anymore, even if it once did. Some areas of our life and inner life may feel dead, while others are vibrantly alive. Focusing on aliveness, what areas of your life feel like you are truly alive? Spend week one really noticing. Look at all areas and aspects of your life. Are there some that are nourishing you, uplifting you and feel great, like they add to your energy, aliveness, and other tasks that seem to take an enormous amount of energy to perform? Just notice what they are. There is an abundance of life force. Are you claiming yours? This may cause you to make unique decisions that mystify people around you. Sometimes, to follow your smoke, as the ancestors call it, you must let your knowing lead the way and throw logic to the wind. Aliveness is your intuitive radar to let you know when some change is required. When you feel a lack of aliveness, it is an indicator that something needs to change. Sometimes this change is simply the way you think about something, or it requires an action to be done differently. The first step is noticing when you feel less than alive, which hopefully you did in week one. The second step in presencing aliveness is holding presence in your own space until you feel aliveness. You may try several actions or scenarios before you find what makes you feel truly alive, or it may happen by the first change you make. For example, many years ago, I was flatting with a person who had oodles more abundance than I did. I've mentioned this in previous modules, but what I didn't share with you was how terrible my thoughts were prior to me manifesting much more abundance. You see, my thoughts were stifling the life force right out of me. Every thought was, I can't, or I will never have, or I don't deserve. Sometimes our thoughts can be so negative, they literally suck the life out of us. In that example, reading three books, Learned Optimism by Martin Seligman, The Power of Your Subconscious Mind by Joseph Murphy, and The Road Less Travelled by M. Scott Peck, helped me to presence my thoughts on aliveness, and the result was immediate abundance. Have your thoughts ever cost you precious life force energy? If so, it's time to befriend those thoughts and develop a relationship with them. In my example, I needed to start believing I was worthy, that it was okay to accept abundance. I discovered through my process that I had a silly thought running in the background that to be a good person or a spiritual person meant that you had to suffer. I came to realize this was ridiculous. I could do a lot more good in the world if I was abundant. Through realising it was okay, I was able to change my energy to bring in life force, in this case, abundance. What do you need to befriend about your thoughts? Your mind is a recorder of experience and often these negative thoughts are the result of your mind recirculating observations of past experiences as evidence. You can't argue with that. Things that have happened have happened. Perhaps you haven't been successful in the ways you wanted to be in the past, but when you recognise that just because something was doesn't mean it always will be, you can place that so-called evidence in the correct box with a correct level of power over you. None. Facts are, things have happened, but the truth is that that has no relevance on your future. 
you are much more likely not to repeat painful mistakes than to continue to experience real pain. It's human nature to avoid pain. So when your mind is speaking to you, remember it is just remembering evidence like an evidence clerk. You are the judge and juror for your own life. You get to decide your punishments or your life sentences of total bliss. This is your power as the higher power, the spirit running the vehicle that is your mind, emotions and body. So always remember your mind is a recorder, not an informer or wisdom sharer. Just because it says something, it has no power over your future. I found the mind to be one of the primary reasons we do not experience aliveness. Doesn't matter who I work with, where they are or their age, the mind has been given a lot more power than it ever should have had. This intellectual value has deflated the spiritual and emotional intelligence we really have. It is these counterparts that bring aliveness into our physical world, so we must allow them to speak more loudly than the voice of our mind. At first, this will feel strange and uncertain. I remember when I did this for the first time, it was like playing a game of faith tag with the universe. I would feel into an outcome and sense what it would be, then wait to see if that day it came to fruition. When it did, I would go back and try the same thing the next day with a little more faith I could do this. Then I would have it proven and feel more confidence. A day would come where my mind got in the way and I was not right. Then I'd go about 10 days back in confidence level. It's always interesting how much power we give our mind. Even if we are right 98% of the time, the 2% we are wrong will affect us more than the rest. Learn to think in percentages. Use rationality with your mind as this meets its need to store facts based on logic and observation as much as possible. This will help your mind focus on aliveness even when you're trying something new and is still unsure and less confident than you would like to be. As I said earlier, sometimes, to stay in the magnificence of aliveness, you need to be less ordinary and take extraordinary steps in your life. You may choose to do things that are radical and different from others. If you're awake enough to do this class, then you may understand exactly what I mean. When you are radically fantastic and consciously authentic, you will meet others for whom this is challenging. Sometimes we call this tall poppy syndrome. When another is threatened by your magnificence, they are likely to try and force their will and thoughts upon you to try and validate their own minimalistic behaviour, choices and ideology. I see this most commonly in interactions with family members and this is one of the ways we can get knocked out of our presence of aliveness. My family is very open these days but I am sure if I shared even a small amount of what I do every day in consciousness it would make their heads explode. My first suggestion is if you are experiencing any kind of deadly energy from family members is share with whom you are speaking from their point of view. Don't share consciousness that is above their awareness. We all want to be loved and we all want to belong but just because someone is a physical family member does not always mean they are the right person to share the things you feel the most personal and vulnerable about. Sometimes a friend can feel more like family in this way. If so, share with them. Share your deepest dreams of aliveness with those who want to see you blossom. We are all flowers in Mother Earth's garden of consciousness, yet some people do behave like prolific weeds. Spend time encountering other flowers and don't let the weeds overtake your great beauty and aliveness. This is how you stay on track with who you are.
honour who they choose to be for now and allow your aliveness and their unique way of experiencing it also to blossom. Aliveness can be drained when we are trying to change others. We must all be who we are. When you have a dream, allow it to be known as a sacred thing and share it only with those whom you know will encourage your life force around it. You deserve to be alive and supported in that aliveness. And if you don't know anyone who will, then make the effort to connect with sacred others who are new in your world but may feel like old friends when you meet them again. There was a great story I once read by a very inspiring fellow called John Gabriel. He lost an immense amount of weight with no signs he was ever fat remaining and achieved this through dieting but also through visualisation and other tools. He speaks in his book about a work colleague who was aggressive and verbally attacking him frequently and how his fear of this individual made him manifest a shield of weight to stay safe. Walking on eggshells was not fully living and his body was creating unwellness to match the level of unaliveness he was embodying. Have you ever felt so stressed and disembodied that you are not connected with your body? A person practicing aliveness is deeply connected with their body. They know when it is hungry and feed it. Exactly the right amount at once and foods that are really good for it. They exercise because their body loves this. They sleep when their body tells them they are tired. Practicing aliveness means a deep connection and presence with your body. Auric shock can also cause a lack of aliveness. When we experience stress sequentially or traumas, our emotional layer of the aura can literally make us feel beside ourselves because it is beside the normal concentric oval-like formation of the layers of our aura. When a person is energetically beside themselves like this, they cannot possibly embody aliveness. Do you check in with your aura to make sure it is equal and equal distant through each layer after you have encountered any stress? Similarly, your central channel can most often be out of balance from full aliveness when it is not perfectly vertical. This happens every single time there is a large earthquake of about 7 on the Richter scale anywhere on the planet, which alters the Earth's electromagnetic field slightly and therefore alters the electromagnetic field of all living beings. If we don't adjust ourselves to the new vibration Mother Earth holds, each time she changes, we will feel less than alive. Do you check your central channel daily to make sure it is perfectly vertical, especially if you feel less than full aliveness? Your chakras not being balanced can also produce a feeling of less aliveness. If the five central chakras are more extended out the back or the front than the other side, you will not be able to feel so alive. If the crown and the base are not equal distant, you will also feel less than alive. Your energy system should be momentarily checked every day. Your body will also tell you if there is a long-term energy imbalance. Just stand naked to the side in a mirror. Look at your body. If your sacral chakra cone at the front is more extended than at the back where it is concave, you will see your lower back sways in while your pot belly extends out. If your solar plexus does the same thing, you will see a belly that protrudes at the solar plexus point. Notice your long-term body shape. This may indicate a need to pull energy back in certain ways. After all, the back of your energy is about how much you hold on to for yourself and the front of the energy is about how much you give away. Are you giving too much of your aliveness away? 
If you are, your body will show this. Only you can choose to do this and change these actions if you want to. Not having enough abundance energy in any form you want it in your life is caused by not allowing yourself to experience this aliveness. You are a drop in the ocean of oneness, just like you're a drop in the ocean of abundance. When you feel this aliveness, it is as if you are a golden energy radiating the absolute abundance of aliveness, which you can also use as a yummy daily visualization. Once you embody the energy of aliveness, you'll be guided gracefully and easily to the how of abundance manifestation. Aliveness energy guides us when we embody it. We can only then attract more to feel aliveness about. Drink in. Aliveness comes from allowing, receiving, knowing you deserve. Imagine your ovaries if you're a woman or your testes if you're a man. See them like absorbent energy sponges, taking in all the good aliveness energy of the universe. These are your reservoirs. So often, people are instead trying to push out life, using kidney energy, trying, doing, smashing, making, forcing. This is not aliveness practice. We need to delve, surrender, drop in, receive, and get out of the way to let our deepest desires become manifest. Trying is exhausting and it will get you burnt out. Holding consciousness about what state you would like to experience and then letting the wisdom of life bring it to you in whatever form it comes is always much less effort and more satisfying in the end. Are you pushing or are you allowing? Are you fixated on an outcome? Aliveness energy chooses the outcomes for you based on a more vast understanding than you hold. I learnt this lesson the hard way. I thought I wanted a healing centre back in 2005. I was attracting more clients and students than I could see at my home office. I was referring them to my students who were really talented and I thought we needed a place to house everyone's actualization. I pushed using kidney energy for six months and eventually got a center space. For me personally, it was the beginning of a massive time of burnout, looking after my staff's needs at the center, instead of just focusing on my work and my reason for being. If I had have been listening to my sense of aliveness instead of my belligerent mind that thought it knew what I wanted with its tiny capacity for perspective, I would have never opened that centre and I would have held on to so much more of my own life force and aliveness. Have you ever thought you wanted something only to find out it was life-sucking when you did? When you make decisions, make it based on how alive it makes you feel. If something makes you feel like a deep exhausted breath when you consider it and you're already exhausted just contemplating it, it is not for you. If you feel so alive, it is like you are tickled with joyousness. You cannot hide when you consider a decision and an immense energy wants to burst forth from you to make it so. You are being invited into aliveness with this option. Take it. Do you ever notice how all decision options make you feel? Got any decisions at the moment you could apply this to? We need to look at what values we have about being alive to give our life purpose, to maximize aliveness. When I wanted to look at this deeper vision for my life, I imagined my funeral. 
Sometimes in our death we get to contemplate aliveness. I knew that when I died I wanted some legacy of mine to continue after my death. It didn't matter how much money I had or what car I drove or what status I achieved. To me it mattered how much of a ripple I left behind, how many people's lives I affected. I wanted to know my life's work would go beyond my lifetime. I knew this would give me a certain immortality to know I had justified my existence, leaving more than I took by living. Knowing this, I delight in every book or class I produce, everything I invent, because I know these things will continue the teachings long after I am gone. Have you ever contemplated what you want your aliveness to mean? Do you feel compelled to do what you do because of the deeper meaning of your existence? Does this energise all of your efforts and help you feel tremendous aliveness? If not, consider your end. What meaning do you want to leave behind? One of the fastest ways to kill aliveness is through ego. We can do this with arguments we are so keen to be right with we don't care how much energy we expend fighting. Figuring out a way to end an argument can be the most beautiful way to re-invite aliveness. Do you have any arguments with others right now that drain your sense of aliveness? Ever heard that saying, no tree has branches foolish enough to fight amongst themselves? If we are all one, who are you really fighting? The answer to this question is the way to reinvigorate aliveness no matter what the argument was about. I will fall on my sword and let another win if it means it brings more life to me and others. I'm happy to be wrong in the eyes of another person. After all, they are seeing from their unique perspective, and yet you can still have your own principles. If you are trying to murder a puppy in front of me, I would stop you, not because you are wrong and I am right, but because I am a servant to the life principle, and unless that puppy is suffering and I can't help it for some reason, I will help its aliveness be preserved. That's a value of mine. What you value becomes something that gives you aliveness. I had someone very close to me that during healing from cancer decided to get into dog rescue. She became passionate about life having faced her own death. She got out all that anger by facing up to councils and politicians and actually managed to change policy while proving that not a single dog needed to die unnecessarily for a long period of time. Once this no longer made her feel alive, she stopped. This is a great example of listening to when we no longer feel energised and alive. We won't always feel invigorated by the same things. If we do them after they've stopped making us feel extra aliveness, we're just lying to ourselves and everyone else. What ethics fuel your aliveness? What fills you up with aliveness right now? How do you invite aliveness? Where are you dead inside? What areas of your life feel dead to you? Pay attention in week three to one area specifically. Maybe you'll choose the same area that you focused on for week two as the most deadening area for you. Watching carefully, you can discern what needs to be going in your life and throw out the garbage, whether that is others' comments, beliefs, or personal circumstances. Pay attention to the minute details. Do you feel uplifted by every activity during your day? If not, what do you feel good about? Do more of this in this area. Note also, it changes with time. 
So don't feel like it is one thing that makes you feel alive forever. This may change constantly. You need to be prepared to let go and be fluid. When I left the centre in Sydney, it was like this. It was no longer making me feel alive. I was working too hard, sometimes up to 80 hours a week of channeling and classes, and I had already proven to myself that I could do it. I had managed to get more than 15 staff loads of work by training them up and then guiding them while they learnt to soar. I had outputted a massive amount of energy to do this. At the time I was delighted to, but then there came a point where the massive energy I was holding started to feel like a burden. This is when I moved away to Shambhala. People might have looked at that from the outside and been surprised I was walking away from such a great business that was so successful, but for me it was about making an authentic impact and I had achieved this already. The same thing happened with my retreat Shambhala. I didn't know how much it was limiting me, but the universe did and I was told to go. The spiritual ancestors of the land said to me one day that this would be my last class. I was sad as I enjoyed the deep learnings and personal rest from the awesome energies there, but it was time to go. Life had spoken, so I put the property up for sale and the buyer bought the place within three weeks of it being on the market. Normally rural properties where I lived could take many years to sell. When we are honouring our aliveness, the universe responds, but we will only know what to do if we are paying attention. Have you been paying attention to aliveness and how it informs you? Even if you're not a medium, your knowing is always working through your feelings and intuition. You know when something makes you feel good and when something doesn't. Why do we continue to do things that make us feel bad? Usually because we are afraid of change. We're afraid of making mistakes. We risk our life force every day by living in death, unhappy, just in case aliveness options don't work out. Many years ago, my dad taught me a beautiful lesson on this. He was offered an opportunity after going bankrupt a few years earlier to become a business partner with the firm he was working for and take on an overseas opportunity, the success of which would entirely depend on his own nous. He would have to put his home into mortgage and risk everything to do it. He told me that he made that decision by contemplating what the worst possible outcome could be. If he could deal with that outcome, then it was worth the risk. With such a good feeling about him getting to actualize that potential inside him and an inner knowing that he could be very successful, he took that risk and it made him massively wealthy and set him up for life. This was a pretty scary decision considering another decision had made him go bankrupt a few years earlier. The point is, sometimes things do go bad, but in my experience, when you're really aligned with your aliveness and feeling super excited about an opportunity, with the absolute knowing you can make it work, and you have to, there is a compulsion inside of you to do it. If at that same time you can handle the risk, then you absolutely have to go for it. Think about your dreams. What is the worst possible outcome that could happen if you followed them? Could you handle that risk? Could you deal with the worst case scenario? Would you be okay? When I let go of my Sydney business on the off chance people might want to travel into the middle of nowhere to do retreats with me, I risked that. I also risked the prosperity I had built up when I decided to go and change to primarily online work, which my teachers at the time said was not possible. 
However, like all decisions I have made from the point of view of aliveness, this has flourished and now I get to help people from all around the world, not just one small corner of it. What risks could you take to foster your aliveness that feel safe and have manageable outcomes, regardless of what those outcomes are? Could you have a go? Aliveness also informs us that we need to leave others' opinions behind when it is time to grow. I had a wonderful client recently who told me that his family is questioning his decisions to have a relationship with another man and after accepting this, are now questioning his decision to have a child of a different colour to the majority of the family. He said to me, honestly looking within, am I just seeking attention by doing this? My heart feels like it's the right thing to do. Spirit answered, it is boring to be normal but you're not normal, you're magnificent. So you're not going to do things normal people do. If you are constantly challenging yourself with heartfelt decisions that deeply resonate with you, you are practicing aliveness, even if they seem strange to your family members or others. I had a backpacker come and stay with me for a few months a couple of years ago. She was the most luscious, vital woman I have ever met or even encountered. She was living aliveness, spending each moment as a sacred invitation to aliveness. This radiated from her like an infectious, indescribable light. She was attached to nothing, practicing presence in aliveness in each moment. She was an absolute inspiration. When you ask yourself, how can I live more fully in this moment? What would I need to believe, think or act upon to make this moment as alive as I can be? You are starting to practice this scripture. Like all things, this way of thinking has momentum. Once you begin, it will feel as though it takes a lot of focus. However, in time, it will feel like it is effortless to make these choices without even thinking. Again, you have a great teacher in small children for this concept. Just watch a toddler explore. Everything is approached by determining what is the most stimulating and fun practice. This is continued constantly. Who was it that decided being a grown-up could not be fun? Are you having a daily dose of fun? This is a proper and very official practice of aliveness. Have lots of fun. You can practice aliveness in your body. I do something called eye yoga every day. It's really simple. Meditate a little, get in touch with your body, become present. Notice where you feel tight or less alive. Breathe into this area. Maybe you also feel like stretching it out gently and slowly. In your mind, imagine yourself bringing lots of light and life force to this area. See your breath as the vehicle that brings this area aliveness. The stretch and movement allows the room for the breath to fill the area with aliveness. It's like drinking it in. When you feel it full, stop and check in with your body again and repeat with the next area that feels less aliveness. Try this in week three and see what it feels like for a week. Many years ago, I was told my back injury from when I was 17 would lead me to be debilitated as a lifelong absolute. I yoga changed my life and led to an acceptance of aliveness within my physical body that has led to no recurring symptoms from my original injury. I can't recommend it enough as part of your aliveness practice. It will bring incredible aliveness to your physical vessel. Aliveness can invite us not only to value a deep relationship with our body, 
but it can also direct our biggest choices in life. When contemplating how alive I felt, something was always missing even though I was fostering life and guiding others from around the world. For me, something was always missing in my life. Some part of my aliveness was not actualized. This has only been fulfilled for me by having children as well. For me, apart from it being a delightful experience, children also serve my greater purpose to leave legacy of consciousness. This is not the way for everyone. Not everyone wants children or a huge business or impact. But if you feel some level of emptiness inside, you are not honouring some facet of your aliveness. Listen to this. What is missing? What is calling to be activated? I've always felt that we should encounter all aspects of living. I even let my female cat have a litter before getting her to sex just so she could experience aliveness. On New Year's Day of the year 2000, she got up from the sofa meowing, announcing it was time for her births. Every time I tried to leave her to it and went to sit in a chair across the room, she would meow or walk over to me and insist that I witness this life-giving. Only when I was physically with her would she settle again. Four kittens into the process and she was very tired but beautifully tending to her little ones. I will never forget the beauty of witnessing the aliveness of that day. We have such a natural capacity to honour aliveness no matter what our species. Nature can teach you so much about aliveness. Spend time with your pets and with the natural world around you to learn more. Aliveness is the best hire you will ever get. When I did my 12-day initiation into becoming a kundalini dance teacher with the very wondrous goddess incarnate Leola and Tara Decker, we danced for 12 days straight for about 10 to 12 hours a day. My mind would never have thought that was possible. Working with kundalini is a way of inviting the juicy life force energy of aliveness into your body and asking what is there to awaken fully, moving all else out of the way. Aliveness is your truest nature. You already have a vast reservoir of energy inside you waiting to burst forth and helping you become all you really are. Practices like this dance technique and kundalini yoga, I love the basic spinal series by Anna Brett and Ravi Singh, help to center and balance you in aliveness. For me, they are all very regular practices. What are your regular practices of aliveness? I've also had times in my life where I was not delving into my aliveness. I used to live in Sydney across from the beautiful Curl Curl Beach, literally right at the ocean's edge, yet I never went outside on the beach. I would admire the view from a distance, but I never immersed myself in life. When I moved to Shambhala, I was nowhere near the ocean. I craved it so much and used to drive 40 minutes each way just to dip my body in the waters. Aliveness makes us crave the same life-giving energy. Are you auditing like I was or are you actively involved and immersed with the energies that are alive? When I moved from the massive aliveness at Shambhala, I was guided to rent a house on stilts. It had a lot of big windows to enjoy the view and a beautiful view, but all parts of the floor were disconnected from the earth. Spirit were trying to show me how disconnected humanity was with what they thought was beauty, in this case disconnected architecture. I got so sick living there, emotionally I felt dead. I could feel how disconnected I was from Mother Earth. I felt depressed and deflated. It was terrible and such a contrast to the beauty experience I had had with the full aliveness at the retreat. 
This is what made me realise that for me, I need to be fueled by nature. This is part of what gives me such aliveness in all I am and do. I realise that I always need to be in nature surrounded by vast quantities of it. This is what makes my aliveness flourish. So we went and bought another 155-acre mountain, this time closer to the ocean, so we could have the best of both worlds. Aliveness can tell you where to live. Does your abode make you feel alive? What energies do you need around you every day to feel maximum aliveness? When Stuart Diver was rescued from the Threadbow disaster in Australia in 1997, I gave up watching television. I felt so deadened by the news. I felt everything, every bad negative thing they reported on. Committed to my own sense of aliveness, no more television was my practice. However, after years of training myself to experience all energies as positive, I now monitor the news again as a process of fostering my aliveness. I want to know what is happening in my world. I want to stay connected to it. I want to live in the world and never be separate from all parts of it. How do you feel about the world? Does it make you feel alive? How do you stay connected to its aliveness? I also practice two energetic techniques daily as a process of aliveness, chakra blowing and auric supercharging. Chakra blowing simply blows through your intention anything that is not life-giving off your chakra cone so your energy can flow in a deeply vital way. Auric supercharging allows the natural flow of your aura and the microcosmic orbit of your meridians to be fed vital life force. Both are excellent practices of aliveness, which is why I include the guided meditations I've created for them in almost every class, including this module, by the way. So have a look and download them if you don't know the practices already. What energy techniques help you to feel astoundingly alive? It's time to find out. Another wonderful practice of aliveness to deeply center you on the cosmos to which you belong is sun gazing only for the first few seconds as the sun rises and moon gazing as well as stargazing. I don't know how a person could look up at the stars and not feel incredibly alive to realize they are part of such great beauty in life. Do you remember the bigger interstellar picture housing your life and all the life you are connected to as your practice of aliveness? More recently, I have let words recenter me in aliveness. I was told about a beautiful song by Maitreya Shanti, hope I'm pronouncing that right, called Your Love is Real, which you can presently download off SoundCloud. When my son Arthur is crying and needs help to get to sleep, a job he does not prefer over exploring new things, I listen to this song with him in my arms, feeling so grateful as I sing the words to him. Reminded of the gratitude I feel for the incredible love he brings into my heart and life. I feel so alive after this practice and surrounded by so much love and he usually honours his need for aliveness and goes to sleep to rejuvenate. Aliveness also means we refuse to accept death practices. We don't tolerate energies that belittle or negate our life force. Be unafraid if you need to do some personal house cleaning. Do you have some to do? Prayer is also a practice of aliveness. Particularly in Australia, I have found that when I mention the word prayer or that I'm an ordained minister of walking prayer, 
people often get nervous and relate this to their negative experience of religion. The training I received was from more than 50 Indigenous elders from around the planet into the practices of prayer and it's not based on any religion. Even though religions have used prayer and have sometimes corrupted it for a small group of individuals who have an agenda or a limited framework, prayer itself is incredible. Realising that you do not have all the answers is liberating. It is also the point of prayer. So is realising that you're entitled to love and help and support from the universe or whatever name you give that ocean of consciousness that supports all of us tiny droplets. Prayer as a practice is a conversation with the ocean of consciousness which invites it to help you have the great understanding and peace and knowing. There is no greater feeling of aliveness than when you have peace in your heart. All the stress and the mayhem melts away. It doesn't matter which ancient culture you study, elders everywhere know how incredible prayer is. It is in fact a construct of all ancient cultures, even though they all had different things to pray to. Prayer in the context I speak of simply means having the conversation with your divine, however this forms for you. Do you engage this wondrous help? If not, try prayer. It can be as simple as talking or thinking your hopes and dreams and asking to be guided. This keeps you centred on what makes you feel alive and gives you hope and understanding. When answers come, you feel deep gratitude and a renewed sense of belonging to the aliveness that breathes through us all. Aliveness is also a mental practice. You control your thoughts. They are not controlled by another. If they constantly get you down and make you feel dead from their berating nature, get a handle on who has the power here. Your thoughts are not an entity on their own. If it feels like they are, then give this entity a funny name. I used to call mine Moaning Myrtle, a character from the Harry Potter movies. There was such a poor me story going on. Whenever this aspect of me would speak, I would make fun of it. It was such a whinger. I would remind myself that I was in control of my destiny and I could change whatever Myrtle was whinging about. In a split second, I felt more alive than ever. In the third week, write down every aspect of your life on a piece of paper separately. Maybe stick this on a corkboard. Let the item sit there for a couple of days and make sure you haven't missed any. Try and put these things near your bedroom or somewhere you'll see them when you're relaxing. Then notice for the next few days if you've missed anything or what parts of your life feel most alive. Order them from most alive at the top to least alive at the bottom. Then ask yourself in week three to explore the ones you feel least alive with. Take one at a time for a few days. Ask the universe how you can feel more alive in this area. Notice the dreams and thoughts, etc. Study this aspect of your life. Then change it to add more aliveness as you're inspired to. Notice if you feel more energised and alive as you make these changes. If you have time, do it with the second most dead aspect of your life. Work the process and see where it leads you. You may continue to do this as a lifelong spiritual practice to help you continually present more aliveness. If you haven't already, I'd also encourage you to read the first Celestine Prophecy book by James Redfield. If you have trouble seeing the aliveness in the world around you, this book has a lovely take on moving towards aliveness. See if this speaks to you. You might also find The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz helpful 
if you're looking to clean up the relationships that are draining your aliveness or sacred contracts by Carolyn Miss might help you with the extra wisdom you need to change archetypal stories like the poor me. No more being a victim. Life does not affect you. You affect it. It is time to become the most alive you could ever be. You are a divine power that can enjoy unlimited aliveness right now and in all moments from now on. Begin to study this, starting with the area of your life that feels least aliveness. See this as a process and a practice to which you will dedicate yourself and make all future decisions based on this as the essence you want your life to be built around. In no time at all, you'll be experiencing a new state of life, one where all experiences become bliss and you enter the sacred way of life we were always meant to experience. I'll meet you there.